When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. All right, everybody, we're in overtime. It's the bottom of the 11th. The bases are loaded. I just beamed Michael Costa to load up the bases because you want that force play. He was giving me the stink out of the whole game, so I had to hit his ass with a baseball. The Daily Show is a whole ball game, but the Beyond the Scenes podcast, we're like extra innings. That's just a little bit extra baseball for your money. It's where we take some of your favorite segments that you've seen on The Daily Show and go deep with them. I mean, deep like a home run, but deep like is in more information. You know what the hell I mean. Today's episode is completely unrelated to sports. We're talking about the world of music and music streaming and the way musicians have been getting shortchanged by the record industry. Uh, It's a segment that we call, if you don't know, now you know. And if you missed that episode, here's a little bit of it. The internet has changed so many aspects of media consumption, but few have had a more tumultuous relationship with these changes than the music industry. CDs became the standard medium in the 1990s. At the same time, home computers were becoming more commonplace. Software like Napster paved the way for a new era of piracy. CD sales plummeted as more and more people logged on. With the introduction of the iPod, and MP3 players, the industry did see a boost from digital downloads. But it wasn't enough to make up for the dwindling physical format sales. The breakthrough came in 2011. Instead of buying and owning songs and albums, we started listening to ads or paying monthly fees in exchange for access to, essentially, all the music in the world. Online streaming music became an $11 billion industry, making up 56% of global music industry revenues in 2019. Spotify has dominated the streaming music industry with about 130 million premium subscribers worldwide. So streaming has been the best thing to happen to the music industry since the government created LSD. But even as these services have arguably saved music, they're not exactly sharing the wealth. Even though in America, people are spending more money than ever before on music, musician pay is at an all-time low. While the music industry reportedly made a whopping $43 billion in 2017, the bands and artists themselves only walked away with a mere 12% of the cut. Spotify pays close to 70% of its revenues to the people who own the rights to the music. That's usually the recording labels. The amount artists receive on a single play is minuscule. On Spotify, that number is somewhere around 0.004 cents per play. Dozens of young artists coming to me on Twitter every day going, I've got however many million plays, I have 200,000 monthly listeners, I do not make minimum wage. 
Joining me today to help fix the music industry is Daily Show senior writer, Mr. Daniel Radosh, and a gentleman who I believe needs no introduction, singer, songwriter, composer, just an all-around good brother. Hello, Black. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Hello, hello. Good to be here. Thank you. So, you know, for, for Radosh, just so we can set the context first before we get into Aloe and, you know, what he oh, yeah, brings to this conversation. Definitely start with me, Roy. That's who people want to hear from right now. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Let's let's discuss music with the gentleman for the people who can't see you. It's a wonderful, wonderful bedroom. There's lots of books and music. You are clearly a cultured man. Okay? Sidebar. Only trust people with unorganized bookshelves. Your bookshelf is not organized by color. Some of your books are horizontal. The rest of them shits is vertical. You don't care because you actually read those books. I don't trust anybody that designed a bookshelf. Who are you trying to lie to? Yeah, the books come in and they, they go back in after I read them. And then if I want to find them again, I never can. <laughs> so this segment, if you don't know, now you know, where you all go deeper and deeper into, you know, a lot of issues that are usually commonplace surface level conversations break down this segment exactly with regards to the music industry and the the pros and cons of the rise in streamers yeah well like you said you know this is one of those things where you know we all the the writers and and producers on the show we're always like reading everything and you know watching everything most of the time we just focus on like what the big news of the day is because that's you know it's it's a daily show so we got to do something every day um but uh, you know, a few months back, um, I was just on Twitter and a video came across my feed that was um, was actually put up by a new organization. Uh, it was called uh, a Union, oh, the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers. I'd never heard of this group, but it, it was about, you know, Spotify. And so I watched this video and I, you know, I kind of knew everybody who listens to music kind of knows generally has a sense that, you know, musicians are kind of getting screwed over these days. But I watched the video and there was one thing in there in particular that made me sit up and think, oh, there might be a story in there because there's stuff in here I didn't know. I had always kind of thought the reason musicians are making less money now is that there's less money, that people are spending less money on music, right? We all kind of heard, oh, you know, people stopped buying CDs and they started, you know, stealing music on Napster and then it kind of came back through downloads and streaming. But once people stopped buying CDs, the money never came back. And one thing that I learned uh, when I was finding out about this is that there's actually more money going into the music industry now than ever before. It's just not going to the artists. And I didn't realize that. And I don't know, you're probably like, hell yeah, I, I know that. <laughs> but like, I didn't. Right. I get just always under the impression that, uh, you know, the reason people are making less money is there is less money. In fact, that's not true. There was a lot in this that I didn't know. Like I knew, and as a stand-up comedian who has had two Comedy Central Hour specials. You're welcome. You do get a little pinch when your shit airs on the streamers or whatever, but as a comedian, comedy is like jazz, and it's such a back-of-the-record-store genre that you're not really doing that to cash in. I did not know that the number was $43 billion that the music industry brought in last year, yet somehow artists only got 12% of that. For You wouldn't have this shit without us. That's what I'm saying. Especially now, because like back in the day, it seemed like, oh, well, music labels did work. You know, they got the records into the store and they did promotion and they, you know, they got it out there to people. But Alan, now you probably do a lot of that stuff yourself now, right? Yeah, Alan, break this down. How did you get involved in this? Because I know that you were very vocal about this. 
I got involved because I had one of the biggest songs in the world in 2013, 2014, Wake Me Up. So wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I didn't know I was lost And I was looking at the streams total and then looking at the money that came in from the streams total and it just wasn't making sense so i'm a songwriter and a singer not every artist who's singing their songs is also writing the songs but when i looked at the math it just wasn't it wasn't adding up you know i'd rather have a dollar per download uh or somebody purchasing a cd than 0.004 cents for a stream it, it's it's not a it's not a it's not a tenable situation for most of the artists do you think, Aloe, just as an artist, do you think that streaming, what are, what are some of the pros of streaming? Do you think it saved the music industry to a degree? Because the music industry was taking a bath. And I know that's where a lot of those 360 deals came from because the record labels figured out, oh, shit, we're not going to make any money off you from album sales. So I want a piece of your T-shirts and your Live Nation and all your tour dates. And then we'll make sure your song gets on the radio. So do you think streaming in a way saved the music industry? I do give it some credit. So I was part of that Napster generation when I was in college. I was downloading all kinds of free music. And so it wasn't going to be possible for artists to make money if everybody's downloading the music for free. Having an organized system by which there is some sort of subscription paid, some money paid, will put money back into the system, then gets distributed to the artist. However, the way that the system works right now isn't an equitable system. So I would give the the streaming industry some credit for saving the music industry, but it was also in a moment where we're, we're always rapidly transforming with, with, uh, and, and progressing, evolving with technology. Things are always gonna change. If we can have artists at the table though, to make some of those decisions on how it changes, um, so that we can continue to offer value, really valuable music and art, then uh, I think it'll make for a much more fair, fair play playing ground you know the thing that you said about um about you know giving them some credit is that's one of the things i think that made this like a piece we wanted to do because we all do love streaming <laughs> we love spotting like i listen to so much more music now and i'm exposed to so much different music now than i was when i was just buying cds because there's no barrier to entry to just listen to anything you know i started listening to like Norwegian pop music because I just saw this you know, weird looking dude with long hair yeah, and I was related. like well, what is that and I was like oh this is cool right the algorithm got your ass yeah but you know what I'm saying like it's like if the story is like oh there's like an evil oil company that's like dumping spilling oil into the ocean and killing all the fish that's not necessarily a great story for the daily show because what are you going to say you're going to be like oh uh, yeah well they're bad but like with Spotify we're like oh, yeah, you know, it sucks that the artists are, you know, being treated so badly. But, like, we don't want to go back to a system where we're paying 15 bucks for a CD. Like, this system is better as, as somebody who listens to music. I don't want to say, like, as a music consumer, because, like, I don't want to think about music as, like, a commercial transaction in that way. Right. But, like, as a, as a listener, it's like, I don't want to have to give this up. So I like hearing you say that, like, there's a way to fix this problem for you yeah. that doesn't involve me having to go back to see There's a guilt as a consumer that you feel. It's kind of like if you own an iPhone or a pair of Nikes where it's like, well, how do you fix that? And then, yeah, like it's how do you all, Radosh, at the show, um, 
how do you all decide when to because this isn't necessarily a political thing, but this is an issue of labor. How do you all decide on the writer's wing and then the producer side of the show, which is a, just a whole side of the building that I'm rarely on unless y'all got pizza over there. How do you decide that this piece gets through the political noise to make it onto the show? Well, I mean, honestly, we're always looking for pieces that are, I mean, it's political, but it's political in a different way. You know, we do so much politics um, and this is like, pop culture. But once you start to break it down, then you kind of get sucked into the political angle. And we kind of Mm -hmm. anything where we can like sneak it in, we always find that more interesting. Plus, you know, we're always looking for how can we make it a little bit more lively than just, you know, Trevor sitting talking to the camera. And look, Trevor's great at sitting and talking (laughs) to the camera. But once somebody said, oh, if we do something on music, what if we had like a, a song at the end of it? And then we thought, well, what if we get one of these musicians who like, you know, because there are a lot of people, a lot of musicians who have spoken up and have been vocal about it. Um, but like, you know, we knew Aloe, like, you know, our audience loves you. And we actually had a clip um, on the in the segment of, um, you know, about the thing you were just talking about, about how you realized you weren't getting money out of your song. Aloe Black co-wrote the 2013 hit song, Wake Me Up. It quickly became one of the most streamed songs in Pandora's history. But in an article for Wired Magazine, Black wrote, in return for co-writing a major hit song, I've earned less than $4,000 domestically from the largest digital music service. $4,000 for a number one hit. Guys, you know the music industry is messed up when the guys singing your songs on the subway make more money off of it than you do. So once we knew that would be in the show, and like, man, you've already got a song called I Need a Dollar. Like that could not be more perfect for writing a parody version (laughs) of. So we were like, all right, let's go out to him, see if he's willing to do it. And then as soon as he was like, yeah, I'll do that. We're like, okay, this, this is getting on the air. Allo, what's different about this battle now? Because as far as I know, the record industry has always been shady. Is it the addition of the streamers now playing the role of co-conspirator? Or is it the fact that this system, this construct was kind of built before our eyes over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years? Good question. It was built before our eyes. You saw it happening. What you didn't see was the inside baseball where Spotify, looking like it's standing alone, is ultimately heavily, heavily invested in by the major record label uh, corporations. So Spotify doesn't really have much say. And when I joined the fight, I was joining the fight really as a songwriter. Look, what is John Lennon or Paul McCartney without the lyrics and melody that they wrote, right? What is a song without the lyric and the melody? You could get a great Michael Jackson song and hear three, four hundred different versions of it, right? At the end of the day, it's that that unitary piece, that, that morsel, that nucleus, the songwriting. And when I learned that the songwriters get one fourteenth of the income out of all this, I thought to myself, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, uh, what, where, where would the music industry be without the, that piece of intellectual property, the actual songwriting, the underlying work? And so I just started doing more digging and, and just getting in, involved in the fight. I give the music industry this much, Radosh. At least they do it to white artists, too. It's some <laughs> equal opportunity bullshit. Like, this ain't just a shady-ass record label that just, oh, you stole all my royal. Like, no, the industry's like, 
Fuck all of y'all. Yeah. They already did that part. They already did all the stealing <laughs> from the black musicians, and now they're like, who else do we have left to steal from? <laughs> um, you know, I want to talk, I want to go back to the thing you were talking about, about songwriting, because that's something else that I discovered working on this piece. But first, I want to say something else that um, I learned that was another thing that I didn't realize um, that I found so interesting. We always hear, oh, you know, artists make, I think it's like 0.004 cents per stream, which is terrible just on its face, right? It's not a lot of money. But what I learned is that that's actually not even how it works. That's a very rough estimate because, in fact, artists don't make any money at all per stream. What happens is when you put money into Spotify or any of these services, whether you're paying for it, you know, like a subscription or advertising dollars or whatever it is, it all goes into a big pot. And then they divide that pot up so that, you know, by, by who's gets the most streams. So the, you know, the biggest artists who have the most streams, they get the biggest chunk of the pot. And then it goes down from there, which means that if I pay $15 a month for Spotify and, you know, uh, Drake or Lil Nas X or someone has like the most streams that month, even if I never listen to them, and I do, don't get me wrong, I listen to some Lil Nas X. But even if I didn't, even if I was like, I'm going to like find some indie band from Brooklyn, New York, because I know these guys, you know, and I don't want them begging out on the street corner. I want to like support them through Spotify. I'm going to play their music. 60% of my $15 is still going to go to Drake that month because even though I didn't listen to him, everyone else did. And Drake that's such a weird way. Yeah, it's such a weird way to divide up the music. And so now I know some people are saying, well, look, whatever else you do, just make sure we get one penny for every stream. Just every time you stream an artist at all, one penny will be making so much more Alo, do you think like is that a good way to uh, to Possibly. earn money, or is there some better system? Yeah, it's the problem. The rates paid per stream. Like, how do we make this more equitable? the The problem is the rates paid per stream, and the issue is that as an artist, as a businessman, right, I don't get to choose my price. Any other industry, you get to choose your price. As, a, as an entrepreneur, you get to say, this is what I'm willing to sell my wares for. And if there's a willing buyer, then so be it. If there's not, then I die by my own sword. And I want to be able to choose my price. You're going to tell me that um, Bill Withers' Lean On Me is worth 0 0.004 per stream, same as... Uh, I don't even want to name no artists right now, but you know, there's a gang of Roy artists. Roy Wood Jr., you can just say it, Roy Wood Jr. comedy albums <laughs> from Comedy Central. It's not the same price. It's, it's fine. I'll, take, I'll lay on that grenade. It's fine. Take the hit. Yes, you can take the hit. So you, you get me, right? And so what I think is, yeah. why can't uh, Mr. Withers' estate say, nah, this is worth $4 a stream. And if you don't like it, so be it. But this is the price. It's not going down because this is what the worth is in terms of value, artistic credibility, authenticity, and um, what he delivered to the world. So, you know, if there's going to be a number, at least let the artists decide, and we, we can figure it out over time. Well, only 3% of artists on Spotify made more than $1,000 annually. And Spotify is, you know, they've kind of said their position on this. We're going to break down that a little bit after the break. We are speaking with senior Daily Show writer Daniel Radosh and the wonderful, wonderful songwriter and musician Aloe Black about how I can get more royalties 
For my Comedy Central specials, this is Beyond the Scenes. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Allo, when we did, you did the parody song for the show, and I've always been curious about this because we don't get many celebrities. I'll say this. We are surprised when people say yes to us. Would that be a fair statement, Radosh? Like, <laughs> No, what are you talking about? People love doing The Daily Show. They're knocking <laughs> down our door. <laughs> hey, will you come do a comedy thing? with? Like, people love to come be interviewed by Trevor, but when you ask them for, hey, will you come joke with us? It's what is the joke? What is the nature of the joke? How will this joke affect my standings in the public eye after this joke? Yeah. So just talk to us a little bit about just creating that parody song and what it was like, what that whole experience was like. 
Well, we had a good feeling about this one um, because it wasn't just like, oh, we have a joke and let's just get a celebrity to do it so that we have a celebrity on our show. We knew this was a topic that Alan was interested in and, and had spoken out about. And so we we're like, you know, you know, if he wants people to learn about this, like, honestly, more people are going to watch the segment and listen to this podcast if he's part of it. <laughs> so it's like we had a pretty good feeling that, that he would do it. So we were very, of course, happy when we did. What happened was um, the head writer, Dan Amira, who's always pitching parody songs anyway, we're like, ah, take a crack at writing some new lyrics uh, for I Need a Dollar that are about streaming. So uh, Amira, you know, put his little baby to bed and then uh, in about three hours uh, wrote two verses and a bridge uh, for a new version of <laughs> I Need a Dollar. We sent it off. And I have to say, when we got that recording back from you, Allo, we all literally burst into cheers because it was so much better than we could have imagined. Like you committed to that performance. Like you were, you know, like you were performing at Madison Square Garden. Like so many, so many artists would have been like, okay, I'm doing a joke song, but I got to make sure the audience knows that I think this is a little stupid and that these clowns, you know, are not, but like you sold that, like it was the most heartrending uh, experience like it was you know like it was a breakup you know like you were like I was like you know my soul was struck by your anger at Spotify and your heartbreak and I was like oh this yeah. is gonna be good yeah take us from the email to the studio Allo yeah I got the email and I, I did think at first I, I said I thought everything you just said Roy I was like how is this going to affect my standing in the music industry <laughs> but then I you know it, it, it came to me I was like you know what this is serious for me. It really is. I've been I've been in front of I've been in front of Senate hearings uh, around music being paid to our most legendary artists and how uh, rate courts are setting up uh, the rates for what we're being paid as artists. So I was like, you know what? Any opportunity to spread the gospel a little bit more to people, the better. No better opportunity than on such a well-respected show with a well-respected host. Um, I'm talking about Roy, not Trevor, you know what I'm saying? And um, <laughs> it's just, to me, to me, I was like, if I do this right, if I look serious about it, they can make the joke happen. It's gonna work for them. I'm not a comedian. I don't need to try to be funny here. I'm a singer. Let me do what I do good. And they've already done what they do well. They wrote the lyrics. I'm gonna just try to sell, sell it the way I can sell it. And that makes it funnier. I mean, when you when you perform something that's a little bit silly, deadly serious, it makes it 10 times funnier. And also you get across that it actually is serious. So it couldn't have worked out better. Are there any streaming services that you think are better than the others? Or are they all to some degree culpable in this? Like what's, what's, what's would, good about streaming? What do you like about streaming in general? And then are there any of the sites that are a little... You know, which one can I feel good about you being underpaid on? I would I would say you could feel good about Tidal. Um, they pay at least a penny per stream. Um, I would say that you can feel good. For me, what I like about streaming is accessibility. You get access to everything you want when you want it. And that's sort of like the, t the light bulb, you know, the electricity in your house, the water on, in your tap. When you turn it on, it works, and you pay for what you use, right? That's what I would change. It's like you pay for what you use, 
And even, you know, you have your peak, peak hour rates with your electricity. And so you should have your peak songs and, and peak artists that can try, charge a premium for what they, what they uh, deliver to you. Um, but yeah, the, I would say uh, Tidal is probably the best rate. Apple is a, good, is a better rate than Spotify. And I think over time, it'll probably get better and better. The UN, United Nations, has a, a, a subcommittee on intellectual property. And they actually put out a white paper on streaming globally and said, point blank, it's, it's not working for artists. So we got the UN on our side. Well, that means any day now things are happening if you got the UN on your side. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you something, actually, because you brought up something interesting, the way that... <laughs> The way that you said, um, you know, you listen to what you want when you want it. And it's like, you know, I, I actually do listen to about kind of half the music that I listen to that way. But I think I'm a little unusual. I think the way most people now actually listen to uh, music services, and I think because the music services want it this way, is uh, through playlists, right? Where you just like pick a mood or an activity or, you know, a genre or a decade and you just put that on and and they've selected the music for you. And it becomes more like listening to a radio station. And that's why some artists have said, oh, we should actually get paid the way we do when a song gets played on the radio. Um, it's a little confusing to me. Do you mind explaining like, what's the difference? Like, cause you, as a songwriter, you actually do make pretty good money if you have a hit song on the radio, whereas you don't make very good money if you have a hit song on a streaming service, um, is, is that right? Sort of, you know, what's interesting is they have this concept of leaning back, which means you're not really actively choosing a song. It's like you're saying, it's a playlist. And they have this concept of interactive, which is also, I think, based on like playlisting. And then there's active users who are actually deciding and choosing who they want to listen to. They're um, purposefully seeking out a particular song or artist. Um, and those pay differently. Those rates pay differently as, as well. Um, in, in terms of um, uh, people who are paid subscribers versus non-paid subscribers on these services. Um, to make a dollar on, let's say, Spotify from a non-paid subscriber, it takes 560 streams or something like that. Maybe 150 streams from a paid subscriber to make a dollar. Um, and so I say that because when you get this concept of who's leaning forward, it also depends on, leaning forward meaning choosing specifically, it also depends on whether they're buying into the system, whether they're subscribing. And if they're not, um, it's, it's not really helping on the economic side. If you have a hit song on an old fashioned radio station, that pays differently than a song on Spotify does, right? And can it be made so that it's more similar? On Spotify, I get paid on the publishing side and on the master side. There are two copyrights associated with any song. There's the underlying work, the songwriting, stuff that you can note on a, a ledger of sheet music. And then there's the master recording, the stuff that you actually hear playing through the speaker. And those are the two, two copyrights. Spotify pays out on both of them, albeit way less for the underlying work, the songwriting. Now on radio, they have historically never paid out on the master side. They only pay out on the songwriting side, on the publisher side. 
And that is a huge difference. That's been a fight that, uh, you know, it's, it's very difficult for the record labels to, to wage and, and even to win. Radio conglomerates are very powerful. They have, this is way more inside baseball than you need, but imagine going to your local uh, lawmaker, your senator or congressman and saying, hey, can you help us draft a law to change how radio pays music artists for their, for their master copyright, for their audio? And then the, the lawmaker is gonna say, uh, well, you know, I kind of need that radio station to advertise when I'm running for uh, office. So yeah. I don't want I don't want to be yeah. in the, in their uh, in their uh, bad book. So they won't do it. So we'll never be able to get that opportunity the way that we should just because we're not going to find uh, the support. And the record label doesn't care because they need the exposure from the radio to drive everybody to get more money from the touring, which they're also in the artist's pockets on. To me, the downside to streaming, and I guess, I, you know, I grew up, I, I'm, I'm 42, so I grew up in the era of the Midnight Album sale, where the hottest album, you went to the mall, on the, like, I remember going to a Midnight sale at Tallahassee Mall, for Masterpiece Ghetto D. We went again for Tupac All Eyes on Me. Like I remember Blockbuster Music, Radosh, when they introduced being able to listen to the album oh, in the yeah, store, yeah, those yeah. little listening stations. You were like, oh my God, I get to hear the whole shit in the store? You would lose your mind. Do, do you remember, Allo, do you remember the last physical album that you bought? Like just as a fan of music, like, because like I'm literally thinking, and I feel like it might have been something from Ludacris. Like I feel like Ludacris and right. Little John were probably the last two. Oh man, artists that oh five oh six ish. Because I was scared of Napster for a while because I caught a virus off Bear Share, so I played the game straight up <laughs> for a minute. The last uh, record that I bought was probably something I would listen to a lot of underground hip hop. One of my favorite artists is uh, the late, great Jay Dilla. He produced for Erica Badu and mm -hmm. worked with, with uh, D'Angelo and he did work with Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest. So I probably purchased, you know, vinyl, um, his, uh, his last works, Donuts. Radosh, was it Taylor Swift? What was your last? <laughs> yeah, um, I'll, make it, I'll make it a little bit more white in here with my answer. Um, <laughs> No, I'll say that, uh, you know, one of the things, I honestly don't remember, like, just to buy an album for an album, like, just to listen to. But I, I do know that one of the things that artists do now, precisely because they're not making money on CD sales, is that um, they'll put out special packages, like, for super fans, where there's, like, you know, uh, extra tracks and a, a book and all sorts of stuff. So, like, I'm a super Bob Dylan fan. And... Uh, he put out like an album of like 80 tracks of, of every uh, demo and every take of every song on Blood on the Tracks. And it had, you know, a book and a poster. And I was like, yeah, I'll buy that. I don't even have a CD player. Like I also had to get the digital <laughs> version so that I could listen to it on my, you know, through my system because I don't have a CD player to actually play it. But I did buy it. And I guess that's one thing, right, Allo, that like artists are kind of scrambling to do 
is put out these special things that have like extra bonuses for the for the fans. Is that sustainable? Is that a real thing, or is that just like especially yeah. in COVID Man, when you can't it's tour? All, it's all industry. Yeah, we can't tour. It's all industry uh, industry inventions. Uh, if I recall, kind of the history of how it, the industry of music worked. It, it was like singles started out as singles. It wasn't albums. And then uh, um, one of the early rock bands realized uh, the executives realized, well, I could I could fit about 13 songs, 10 songs on on a on an album and then we could sell it for more. Same production manufacturing costs. So that's how things changed. Um, I I would say I don't mind it going back to a, a singles market. Um, I love album. I love albums, um, but you know, if it has to be uh, per per sales, yeah, try to try to keep it at buy my buy my each song per song, and and we don't need to do all these extra um, gimmicks to try to sell more and and do more. You know, we have this concept okay. right now called the waterfall album. The Waterfall album is where you, I did this on my last release, so you drop an album, it has 10 songs, and then each month you add a new song to the album. And, and so it keeps people engaged. So you have to try to find brand new ways to, to keep people engaged in, in purchasing the music and also just staying on playlists. They don't want your, they meaning the playlisters, and the, the streaming services, they want everything that's brand new. They don't want your two month old album. So you got to find a way to, to refresh it and make it, you know, brand new. I would love to talk more about that and what some of the solutions are. You know, number one, how are artists going to circumvent this? What can we do to put pressure on the record labels and the streamers? And what can we as fans do? I have one idea that might work, you probably not going to like it, Allo, but I'm going to try it anyway. We'll talk about it after the break. This is Beyond the Scenes. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at KNIX.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. 
we went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. We've been talking about music streaming and just, you know, how shady it is and exploitative and how the record label time and time again figures out a way to take advantage of the artist Aloe Black. I guess you I guess what I should first do um, as a member of ASCAP myself, um, tell you thank you for what you're doing, because I didn't know this until a couple of months ago. Motherfucking stand up comedy. We only get paid for the recording, not realizing that our joke is essentially an acoustical composition, which we wrote ourselves as well. And you should pay me as a composer. I have no idea what type of money I'm going to get. But if I get more than 300, I'm putting it in Bitcoin. How can fans, what can fans do in general? Because more often than not, this battle between artists and the record label traditionally as a fan, I've always felt helpless. Like when I, you can correct me, I'm sure you're more of a music encyclopedia than me, but I just won't name the artists. But I know that there have been traditionally a lot of rappers who speak out against their label and go, I'm only getting 50 cent a CD or a dollar a CD. And as a fan, the reaction from a lot of people, especially a lot of black people, a lot of hip hop fans, well, you shouldn't have signed that deal, not knowing the intricacies of how you get distribution and how you get in stores at that time. But it seems like distribution is less of a necessary need. So what can we as fans do to even try to help support artists other than just set up eight laptops and just let all them shits play aloe black? <laughs> the best thing that you could do to support fans is uh, go directly to the fan, to the artist for the, the merchandise that they're selling. Um, the artist, if they have their own uh, their own infrastructure can deal with you on a one-to-one basis. Um, there are you know many of the, the major artists have such a huge infrastructure around them that you're, it's not going to be easy to do that. But for for independent artists and up-and-coming artists, they generally have their own merch website where you can buy a T-shirt or whatever. Um, they might be able to to sell you a song one-to-one uh, from their from their website as well, their Bandcamp or their uh, TuneCore, um, and you know, share their music, share share out the love and spread the gospel of what they're doing, so that when we do open back up and people can get into concerts, um, they can get a chance to to get that that concert ticket money. Um, that's definitely one of the plays for for a lot of artists. I know a lot of artists that survive off of that. Uh, touring money. Oh boy, I bought concert tickets. I'm just remembering now in uh, January 2020, and the concert is still officially just postponed. They haven't canceled it, <laughs> so I haven't got my money back yet. But I cannot wait for that concert to actually come around. And, and I'm going Radar, to on the writing wait. side of this, how do you all decide how deep? Because this is a very deep and intricate and layered issue. 
when we start getting into solutions, I know in the field department, we generally only have two quadrants that we can exist in for four minutes. We can either exist in how did we get to this problem or how do we solve this problem? Yep. We rarely have space for both in the field department. How are you all able to sparse out what some of the solutions could be and should be versus what people just have to go and read up on on their own? Yeah, and that boy, and that's one reason why it's great that there's a podcast like this where we can kind of take it to to the solution because you know we write it all in, and then it's really like you know it's a comedy show, so it's like well, what's the funniest part? Um, what's the most interesting part? What's the most engaging part? And in this case, it was like we just spent so much time just like talking about how we got to this point and how messed up it is, and we had a lot of good jokes off that, and then we literally ended up squeezing. And here are some possible solutions. And then Trevor like rattles them off in one sentence. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's, it's purely that simple. But I actually want to ask you to bring that up um, about solutions. Because like, Alan, the stuff you were saying about like what the fans can do, all 100% true, right? Like on a day-to-day level, we can do that. But Roy, earlier you said that this is actually a labor story, which I think it kind of is. And one of the things that we found with like, stories that involve labor or, or corporations is that a lot of times it it's not anything that, you know, individuals like us, like even the biggest fans in the world, we can't really solve it. It, it has to be like some kind of big systemic change. And so I'm wondering like, man, is this something where it's like all the artists kind of need to band together and go to the, the labels as one big group and say, uh, we're changing this because you need us more than we need you. And maybe the fans can like support the artists in that or, or go to, you know, your lawmakers. I know you say they, they don't want to go up against the radio stations, but maybe they also don't want to go up against, you know, every voter. So I, I don't know. Maybe there's like some kind of bigger thing like that that could happen in addition. It's one of the solutions we didn't get to. I feel like the solution is going to be in a, t- a technology solution. I feel like it's going to be a technology solution. I feel like technologists will help us uh, through this. Artists working with the technology sector um, and coding sector. Uh, the, the tools that are in place right now for streaming, they work well for distribution, uh, for consumption. Um, what needs to switch, though, is the, the, pay, the pay mechanism. And I have a feeling that you know, uh, the, the blockchain is going to help us do that. Um, you know, with the technology that exists now, you can basically ID, like think about Shazam, you can ID every song. It has a digital uh, audio footprint. And that footprint yeah. ultimately can dictate uh, how, how your, your payment is, is delivered. Um, I've been an advocate of the, the phone services that you use, uh, the, the internet services, the ISPs that you use to be the paywall. And so just like your utilities, every time you turn on a tap or turn on the light, it recognizes it and it, it, you, you pay for that at the end of the, the month. And I feel like, it, you know, that's one of the ways we can think mm. about it. It's, like a uh, digital a la carte type system, yeah. Yeah, but you don't want them monitoring your data. So there's definitely gotta be some, some privacy controls. Allo, I hear what you're saying, but I already have the vaccine with the eight microchips in it. It's fine. 
I'll be fine. <laughs> I, if you, boy, you know, if we pay for, if they figured out a way to like charge us for like every little thing we do in like some game, it's like you play a game and you're like, oh, I just want to do this little cheat. It's like, yeah, I'll pay a penny for that. Like, boy, if we're doing that for like crappy mobile games, we could sure as hell do that for music. It seems like that should but be doable. Here's a naive question though. And this is coming from a guy that has seen people go viral on TikTok and Twitch and YouTube and IG stories with their own original stuff who had no label. They had no support. What does the future of streaming look like? Because what is the advantage of a record label? If I like right now, what's to stop me from going in the studio, getting my shit recorded and mastered and then getting some ISRC code digital footprint? embedded in the track and sending that out onto the internet and uploading that to set because there's ways for me to get on a streamer without a record label i could just send my, like there's digital distribution companies that'll just take a 30 percent pinch off of the dollar and i get to keep 70 cents so what's to stop an artist that's popular like why do i need a label if everybody's listening to their stuff on a streamer anyway and i can get to a streamer without a label Yes, that's a good question. Um, ultimately, the answer is uh, whether or not you're going to be part of the, the global consciousness as an artist. Um, you may be in for a second for a hot minute with your hot song, but, um, you know, these big boys are, are there to play. And if you want to get that radio, you're going to have to work with them because this is the, the decades old kind of, you know, inside club. And then if you do have that one hit, they're going to come at you with a huge bag and be like, look, here's a huge amount of money that we're going to offer you to join our record label so that we could probably never pay attention to you again. Um, and you probably won't get all this money. It's just promised to you over time if you uh, if you perform. And so. You know, when you hear about these big multi-million dollar deals, these are usually spread out across 10 albums, um, you know, and multiple years. The artist doesn't necessarily see all that money. And you're looking at a lot of young cats who are flossing, but they're flossing. They got a bag, but they're flossing off of money that's not going to last forever. That's not forever, but ever money. Some of that's going to be gone. The reason why they end up going to the record labels is because they get that big, big paycheck in their in front of their face, rather than having to wait for the the slow drip from the rec, from the streams. What does it take then? Because you know, there's independent artists that have stayed independent, like a, a guy that I, two guys that I've enjoyed, uh, one Immortal Technique, the other one Tech Nine, and you know, Tech Nine is a rapper that. If you know him, you know him. He definitely does not get the spins on regular radio, but seems to have carved out a decent living for himself and will never, he's not going to get mobbed at the airport the way Drake or somebody from Young Money would or whatever. But why do you think that, or what does it take for the artists and the creators to realize that they're the ones with the power and not the labels and the radio stations? It's going to take... Uh a lot of communication from, I'd say, the more mature and seasoned artists in the music industry to work with some of the younger ones and, and help them to recognize. You know, young, young cats, they're rebellious. They, they just want to do what they do and, and get their money. Uh, they're not really paying attention to the history of everything and where 
the trend is leading, or at least where the 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 activism within the within the artistry is is leaning. Um, it's it's a tough it's a tough battle. We're battling culture, um, cultural norms. We're battling uh, some deep seated industrial norms, and I'll just keep trying to stand up and 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 speak my speak my truth. You know. Roy, this is why when we when we write anything, we almost always stay away from what the solution is because the solution is always really hard. <laughs> it's just really hard. It's much easier to talk about the problem than the solution. But but Alan, man, thank you for for trying at least in this arena. Yeah, this is great, man. Yeah, I, that's you. pretty much all the time we have, brother. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to support what you're doing and set up their eight laptops? Yes. Um, the best thing to do would be to, of course, stream my music on any of your favorite <laughs> streaming platforms. But um, I'm most active on Instagram and sharing whatever is brand new and that kind of information personally and with my team. So, you know, check for me there. Okay, done deal. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Roy Witt Jr. Daniel Radosh, sir. Thank you so, so much. And um, you know what I'm going to try and do, Aloe? I'm going to try and get you on this Paramount Plus and get your music <laughs> streaming on a video channel of some sort. Let's put, Radosh, let's put the parody video up on Paramount Plus. There's a Paramount do Plus, that. Roy? I got to look into that. Well, absolutely. There is a Paramount Plus bringing you all of the best in the Paramount Library, including hit shows like Comedy Central's The Daily Show. I'm sure the solution to this problem is another giant corporation. I think you hit the nail on the head, Roy. <laughs> Stories gonna sound a little bit dumb. One million streams will buy you a brand new pack of gum. Listen to The Daily Show Beyond the Scenes on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to go even further beyond the scenes? Check out the video version of Beyond the Scenes on The Daily Show's YouTube page. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.